This is Hope FM. I there is no doubt, cause I have seen your faithfulness, my fortress, over and over. Well, that's uh, Tarn Wells there and uh, Jen Johnson getting together for that wonderful song there, Famous For, which is, of course is in our uh, Hope FM list of, of hot songs. <laughs> well, there's hot songs and there's hot people, and I'm going to be speaking to a hot person right now. Her name is, is Janice Morgan. Janice and I have been friends uh, for quite a while, although we haven't seen each other in, in recent days, have we, Janice? No, it's, it's been a while, <laughs> now, you you thought you, that we could start the programme off today with your little ditty. So did you have inspiration in the composing of this little uh, piece that you're about to share with us? Yeah, after we spoke yesterday in preparation for the uh, programme, I, I just was inspired to write a little ditty entitled Hope FM. Shall I go for it? Hey, go for it. Right. Uh, So, here I am on the radio, an ordinary person moving through life's flow, a personal story I've been asked to tell, a journey with God through gorge and round dell, climbing mountains and wading rivers, some paths I travel just give me the shivers. But those listening in will take heart when I tell them how I play my part in the plan that God has for his kingdom, for their life fits in too, it's not random. Each child Christ has called has a place, and our time has been set by God's grace. Where we start and we finish is our choice, but listen we must to God's voice, whether silent in prayer or through radio. When we hear God's command, we must go. In amongst all the sounds, there's a gem, travelling over the airwaves from Hope FM. <laughs> I like it. I really like it. And of course, it couldn't be better set because today we are going to be sharing your life story. I feel a wee bit like, did you ever watch that program, uh, This Is Your Life? Uh, yes, with the, indeed. In, in the early days, of course, with Eamon Andrews, you know, as, today's a wee bit like that, although I haven't got a book to give you, Janice, you know. <laughs> Thank you very much. <laughs> Your story, of course, particularly your 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 journey into faith, starts uh, pre-birth. Tell us about that. Yeah, it does. It, it's it's really strange and it's weird when people tell you later on uh, what what happened before you were conceived, let alone born. There was prophecy spoken about me. Um, my my mum and dad had had a miscarriage between my brother and I. And um, my father's secretary was a, a, a very strong in-faith Christian. And um, she, she prayed and prayed that um, my mum and dad would have a girl and that that girl would be God's child. And I never knew that until um, many years later. And uh, my grandmother always used to say to me when I was a little girl, um, in her broad Dorset accent, um, God has something special in mind for you, are Janice. And I always used to think that was a very strange thing for her to say. Um, but um, there were times when, uh, you know when you're a, a child growing up and somebody does something nasty to you or whatever, um, and you usually say, I'll get my big brother onto you or I'll get my dad <laughs> onto you. Um, I used to say, I'll get Jesus onto you because he knows everything. 
<laughs> well, there's no, there's no difference there then, because you're still doing that, of course. Yeah, <laughs> but but <laughs> so you were a real child of promise. So I mean, obviously, you, clearly you were born and uh, born into into a family where there was there was there was belief in in the Lord Jesus and so on. But when did you begin begin to accept that for yourself? Was it was it a natural part of growing up for you, belief in God? Um. Well, I've always known that Jesus was, uh, is a real live person. I've always known that. I, I remember a time when I didn't know that. Um, but I suppose it's like everything. What you experience, you think everybody else has experienced the same thing when you're small and growing up. So I didn't think anything of it. Um, I went to Sunday school at Ashley Road Methodist Church and... Um, was brought up through that. Um, and then I used to go to um, Newtown Methodist Church where my granny uh, was a member. And um, my father was Roman Catholic and my mother was Methodist. So I've always had an ecumenical heart and, and a strong foundation of knowing that God, Jesus, the Holy Spirit was real. It's interesting, isn't it, that, that some people are like that. You know, I mean, I suppose I was a wee bit like, I, I can't ever think of a time where I didn't believe that there was a God. And, and yet so many people today, of course, don't have that experience. I'm sure you meet lots of people like that as well. Absolutely. Um, uh, I, I did actually for my dissertation for my Master's in Christian Spirituality, I, I did that very thing because my thesis was that I believe everyone, without exception, is born with an innate knowledge of God. It's what happens to them in life that changes that either way. Um, and that was my, um, that is still my belief. And so, I suppose, uh, I I suppose also ha- having Christian parents and Christian grandparents like, like, like you did would undoubtedly have given you a leg up, wouldn't it? The, but of course, it must be really very difficult for people who, uh, you know, born into families where there, well, there is no faith at all. Absolutely. Uh, I come across those a lot. Um, in fact, I suppose uh, I have had as much ministry in secular society as I have in the church. Well, let's have so your, been, you know, let's let's have your first sorry. Let's have your first piece of music because obviously it really does underline that journey uh, of faith and I'll let you introduce it. Um well, the first one that I've chosen is there uh, is a redeemer uh, by Melody which was Keith Green's wife. Melody wrote this and and Keith Green put the music to it and sang it. And it's one of the first songs that, that really called me back into the church that was saying, you know, it's, it's, God wants you to get serious about this. It's time to come back into the fold. There is a Redeemer. Oh, 
That's the lid. Uh, and great Keith, Keith Green there with a song written, as you heard there, by uh, Janice from, by Melody, uh, Keith's uh, wife. Sadly, he was killed in, a, in a, a plane accident with a couple of his children. But his music, of course, uh, lives, uh, lives on. Well, Janice Morgan is my uh, special guest uh, today. And uh, we left you, Janice, where uh, obviously in those early days and into your teen years that you had that innate faith and so on. But of course, that doesn't necessarily mean to say that you, you weren't much of a churchgoer, were you? <laughs> no, like most teenagers, or a lot of teenagers, um, I just went my own way in the secular world from, I suppose, about 14, I stopped going to church. Um, and uh, oh, I was into all sorts. Um, I was actually... Um, <laughs> I was actually the Pool and Bournemouth uh, disco queen or dance queen of Pool and Bournemouth at one point in my past oh, life. Oh, you are yeah. a mini the minx, aren't you? <laughs> so, so you were into your pop music, were you? <laughs> oh, absolutely, yeah. Um, I had a boyfriend at the time who was a plumber but a DJ and uh, we used to work out dance routines and in the nightclubs and things he, he would put this on and they would clear the floor for us and we'd go through the dance routines. Yeah, good fun. So, so, so he, 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 he was the John Travolta, and and you were the you know the 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 girl in the in the in the movie. You know, I've forgotten her name actually. I'm thinking yeah, about no, that yeah, Saturday Night Fever. You're Sandy. Sandy, that was her name, wasn't it? Uh, <laughs> yes. <laughs> so, yeah. So, what was it that? I mean, obviously, you said that you went to you went to church until you were about fourteen. What, what was it that didn't work for you then at fourteen in terms of? of the sort of established church services and so on? Well, I suppose it's the same old story, really. Um, It was still very, very much traditional in those days, and and although I loved singing, you know, the hymns, um, it it didn't have modern music, and it wasn't modern ways, and most of my friends, you know, didn't go to church, weren't into it, so all your friendship and your support network that you have are, are all doing something totally different and contrary and alien to, to what church is so I guess that's why but even though as you say you were dancing the night away booging away and uh, becoming the disco queen as it were was that element of faith inside of you that we spoke of right at the beginning of the program was, was that still very much alive Oh gosh, yes. Um, yeah, uh, my my prayer life. Although at that point in time I didn't know it was called prayer, um, I just talked to Jesus. I I just talked to him and talked to God. Well, whatever you know, whether it was good, bad, ugly, in between, um, I just talked to Jesus and told God everything. Um, so that was always there. And I suppose it's it's very important to make that point, isn't it? Because there there are lots of people who you know who do exactly what you did. They they talk to God every day, you know. And uh, and I guess it 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 can be the beginning of a deepening relationship, as indeed it was eventually for you. Yes, um, yeah. That that's without prayer and without that 
personal relationship with Jesus, there are many things in my life that I would not have survived and I wouldn't be here today. Um, so that's always been uh, undergirding my faith. And I, I have a rosary. Those that, that know me uh, know that I have a rosary, which is the Catholic discipline, but it's not the Catholic rosary. Um, and it's made up of, of buttons and beads that have different meanings to my life. Um, and I just go through the Ten Commandments on the rosary, and instead of the Hail Marys, I do the Ten Commandments. So I say the Ten Commandments five times each day. I, I do this every day. And then there's the Methodist Covenant Prayer in the middle of it. There's Confession. There's the Lord's Prayer all the way through in between. So that that is part of my foundation, my roots, where I give God the day every day in the morning before I start. Now, of course, uh, something was to happen to, to change everything and, and to take you back into the established church. Uh, what was that, Janice? Well, <laughs> you're going to think this very strange, but um, God actually came to me when I was in the middle of giving birth to my first child, Naomi. Um, and um, she was breech, one month uh, premature, and uh, it was the first time, uh, obviously, of me giving birth, so pretty scared and pretty painful. And I was wired up to the machinery in a poor maternity hospital, um, wired up for, for sound for me and my baby. Mm. And um, I was just at the point where I thought I could not stand the pain any longer. And then the, the nurse suddenly said, oh, I'm just going to go out. So she, she left, and as the door closed, so the pain suddenly disappeared. And all the machinery, the needles on the machinery stopped. And I sort of thought, this is, this is weird, what's going on? And then I was aware of some kind of light coming in through the window. They've got sort of high windows there, obviously, so that nobody can see in and see what's happening. And I, I tried tried and tried to explain this, what I saw and what I experienced, and it's impossible, so I just do the best I can. It was like a ball of tongues of flame with all sorts of colours from white, you know, brilliant white through to the reds of flames. And they, they were constantly moving, um, these flames, in this ball of flame. And I knew, I knew that it was God. And it, it came to the end of, of the bed, and um, it was as if God was saying to me, it's all right, I'm here now, everything's going to be fine. And at that point, it was like everything within me sort of let go. <clears throat> and um, mind you, the pain came back with a vengeance, the machine started up again, and that vision was gone. But the love that I felt from that is indescribable. And Naomi was born, um, naturally, although she was breech and premature, and although they put her in an incubator, she didn't need it switched on. She maintained her own body heat and uh, screened the place down, so there was nothing wrong with her lungs. <laughs> <laughs> 
So obviously that you know that that presence of God, you know, in your hospital um, room must have been a great comfort to you. It's, it's very interesting, Janice, you know, because they do say that there's quite a lot of people who do have these special, almost supernatural experiences, you know, but people generally don't talk about it because they're a bit worried about what other people might think. Um, we was it something? I mean, obviously you've you've stressed there that it. It's an experience that it was it's really quite difficult to share and do justice to, uh, and so on. But w- w- were you able to share that with with people around you? Uh, not for some years, because to be honest, e- even now, every time I say it, I have to keep a control on my emotions because it was such a powerful experience. I I couldn't manage to speak about it without crying. Um, you know, not crying in a bad way, but crying overwhelmed with the experience of the love I felt. So it was it was some years before I could actually speak about it. And when I did, <laughs> I was sort of looked at as if I was um, either off my trolley or schizophrenic or whatever. I was actually accused of being schizophrenic at one point. Um, but, um, yeah, that that's another story. Um, uh, the minister at the time of that uh, got one of his friends, a psychologist, practicing psychologist, to follow me round and assess me without me knowing because I'd been accused of being schizophrenic. And his, um, <laughs> his conclusion at the end of the report was, if she's schizophrenic, I should have been committed years ago. <laughs> <laughs> and, yet, um, and yet it's incredible, isn't it? Because one of the things that, that you, know, you telling that story makes me think about is that, because I, I, I also, probably a lot of people listening to the programme uh, today, uh, you know, I've had these special moments where I've really known the presence of God very, very close, you know, and very personal moments. But it, I guess that what it underlines is the fact that the primary thing about our faith is the fact that it's based in a God who intensely loves us and really wants us to know that and to have a relationship with him. And out of that, of course, flows everything else, our service, our worship. You know, it, it seems to me that it's something that every believer needs to have in a sense, that, that sense of just that personal experience of knowing that actually if there was just them in the world, that God loves them. And uh, it's, that shouts to me from your experience and reminds me of some of the experiences I've had myself. Yeah, um, and I hope I hope it encourages those listening that you, if you feel you're having visions or dreams or, or whatever from the Lord, you know, you're not off your trolley. Just ask the Lord to show you the truth of what he's, he's telling you and give you confirmation of what you feel God is saying to you because um, God does speak to people uh, today, you know, that his prophecy, his visions, his dreams, words of knowledge, all of that is not dead. It is very much alive, and all we need is faith and trust and test the spirits. And, and we will be led by God in most powerful ways, almost ordinary ways, and everything in between. Now, of course, your entire life is dominated by what you've just said, that sort of personal relationship, and particularly as you've got involved now with so many uh, other people who who you've been a, a, a helper and a guide to. But that, more about that later. Let's have another song. And uh, your second song comes from the Winans. I'll, I'll let you introduce it. The next song that I've chosen is um, When You Cry by the Winans. And that is because when I've been in those 
dark nights of the soul, if you like, um, this particular track was really, really encouraging to me to remind me that God is there with me. When You Cry by the Winans. So we'll have a listen to it and then uh, I'll nip down to Keith Jones and have a chat. You can have a cup of tea uh, and then we'll be back. Of course, you're going to be with us for the whole programme today, Janice, and so much more uh, to come uh, in your story, which I know folk will find uh, really challenging and encouraging as well. But just now, this is uh, The Winans, as you say. Listening to Community Now on Hope FM with Keith Jones Bookshop, serving the community for over 50 years. Visit keithjones.co.uk. And my very special guest in today's Community Now is uh, Janice Morgan. Uh, and uh, she's got a little poem for us just to kick, up our, to kick off our next section. So over to you, Janice. Thank you, Blair. We, were, um, we left it talking about love and what undergirds our faith. Well, poetry has always been part of uh, my life. And this particular poem I wrote when I was only 12. The only reason I know that is because I used to write poetry on bits of paper, screw them up and throw them away. <laughs> and this one, my dad rescued apparently and told me years later, gave it to me and said that he had rescued it. So it's just called Love. Love is like a moth around a flame. The moth flutters round while the flame flickers gently in the breeze created by her wings. Love is like a puppy that follows you everywhere, gazing at you with big, adoring eyes, waiting for the chance to please. Love is like the warmth of a mother's arms as she gently cradles her baby while he sucks, content at her breast. Love is like the sharing and caring of a man and a woman with no thought of self-gain, that they may blend together and become one. But the greatest love of all is the love of a father who sends his only son to hang from a cross to save us all. So you were 12 years old when you wrote that, did you say? Yes, and um, I couldn't quite believe it myself when my dad produced it and told me how old I was when I wrote it because I'd forgotten about it completely. But um, it, it, that just shows that God has always been there in my heart and soul right, mm. right from the beginning, even when I didn't realise what I was actually doing. Um, and that sort of leads me in the, to, to Ashley Road Methodist Church again, which is where I was baptised. And um, three dreams led me back there, and they were over a a period of three years. And this is something perhaps um, us Christians need to realize, that God doesn't always tell us to do something immediately, and it's not always going to happen like yesterday, like we would sometimes want it to. Uh, Can I I have a little chunk, you know, a little... (laughs) I'm one of those people that likes it to happen yesterday, you know, but uh, I totally agree that God doesn't work like that. 
Well, yeah, no, he doesn't always, as much as we'd like him to, Blair, mm. he, he doesn't. Um, but this, there were three prophetic dreams ending in um, God telling me, Janice, I want you to go back to your roots, wake them up and get them back to Wesleyan times. Now, at the beginning, I had no idea what he was talking about. So I just kept sort of, you know, left it on the shelf and kept saying, well, I don't know, I don't know what you're going on about. And then I was told to look up Isaiah chapter 6 and verse 8. Now, you have to realize at that time, the only Bible I had was um, one that my uh, nana had given to me, which was the King James Version with pictures in it. <laughs> and I used to call it my gobbledygook book because <laughs> I could never understand the words. Mm. <laughs> so, and I didn't even know there was a book called Isaiah at that time. But anyway, I, I found the Bible and looked it up, and, and there, then I heard a voice from the Lord saying, Whom shall I send, and whom will go for us? And I said, Here am I, send me. And at that point, I was told a specific time to arrive, 10 minutes to 11, at Wesley Hall, and I was told I'd be welcomed and recognized. So off I went, and I was. Uh, and that is what brought me back to um, Ashley Road. Uh, years, years later, um, I was prompted. Uh, I had uh, another vision about Ashley Road um, when the church had, had changed. You know, God was going to change the whole church around. It was very, very specific. And I was um, told later in 1986, uh, an Easter, um, Easter thing, that I was to... Uh, get in touch with Roger Forster from Ixias and tell him about the original vision for Ashley Road. And I discovered he, he was very, very interested in the vision, and he wrote back to me, and he said that he was actually there on mission in 1953, praying for God to raise up his people for revival in the area. And I was born in 1954, and we lived just behind the actual church. Um, and now uh, Gateway are actually in that church today. And when I first walked back um, when Gateway had it, I was amazed because there was the church having been changed exactly to the specific uh, vision that I had been given of that church change. Now, when you think I was given that vision sort of, you know, back in 1986, and the first time I walked back into Ashley Road to see it changed was, what, 2018, 19? Um, that's, that's just wow, isn't it, that God God mm. can do that. Um, and it just shows he knows. He knows what's happening. He knows where we're at. He's in control. It's interesting, Janice, because, I mean, I, once again, it's your personal revelation from God and this this time, of course, in dreams. Of course, we know that many people, particularly people of other faiths, actually are having amazing encounters. This has been reported, I know, all over the world. And uh, But again, a very personal revelation uh, to you. Uh, people listening to the program might think, you know, I... I'd love to have that sort of revelation, but it doesn't doesn't happen to me. Do you, do you think it's it's not that um, it doesn't happen? It's just that we often don't expect it to happen, or even make room uh, or have expectancy that that God will speak to us direct in in all manner of different ways. 
I think that's absolutely right. I mean, you know, I don't consider myself to be anything special or anything else. Now, I, when people have asked me that very same question, I've said, well, is, there is nothing to stop God speaking to you like that the same way as he speaks to me. And in fact, he might be doing so. It is a combination of things, either our expectation, we're not looking for or expecting it. The most thing I find is people brush it off as coincidence. And I say there is no such thing as coincidence. There is only God incidences. And if, if we trust that and always test it, because we, we know also that the devil can play havoc with things like that, so it always needs to be tested. Um, but if we listen to it and we test it and ask God for confirmation, that's what I always do, is ask God to confirm it. And he will confirm it, if it's of God, in a myriad of ways both ordinary and dramatic. Um, I always say God talks to me dramatically because I'm a little bit deaf and he has to wake me up sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Of course, the other thing is is what we're taught, isn't it? I mean, I think, because uh, I was brought up in very traditional uh, Presbyterian church in Ireland, I'm very grateful for the, the grounding that I had in, in the scriptures and so on. But, you know, we were never really talked about we never really taught about the Holy Spirit's existence or, or in fact, uh, you know, what, what difference he makes in our lives. And, of course, it was when I was in my 20s that I encountered other people talking about their 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 uh, experience with the Holy Spirit. It was like, you know, it was like being on a different planet to me, you know, but I, but I, I said to them, excuse me, but could you just explain that to me, you know, simply because <laughs> it had never, ever been explained to me before. And of course, it's not unusual for things not to be explained to people. And of course, what you don't know, you can't, you can't then, you know, be blamed for because you simply don't know it. Yeah, um, absolutely. And, I mean, I went back to the church thinking that my experience was not unusual, thinking that, you know, the people in the church, actually, I've been away from the church for, for years, the people in the church must be much further along the road than me, and they'll understand all this stuff, and they'll be able to help me sort it out <laughs> and understand it. But sadly, that was wrong. And um, uh, there's there's one story of one lady at, at the time. I was wheeled wheeled in front of her because she was a lovely, lovely senior lady in the church. Been, she was in her 80s, been in the church all her life. And I was wheeled in front of her, uh, you know, to be put on the carpet and sorted out, basically. And anyway, it concluded with her saying to me, but Janice, you seem to say... Uh, that you're talking to God. And I said, well, yes, that's prayer. You know, that that's all it is. I, t I talk to God in prayer. And sometimes he, he gives things to me in return. And she said, but you seem to be telling me that I can have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And I was amazed. And I said, yes, absolutely. That's, that's what he wants. That's what he came for. That's, that's God's heart for us to have a personal relationship relationship with him not someone remote that we can't access but you know actually in our heart and soul and she broke down in tears and said to me janice in all my i've been in the church all my life and you are the first person to ever tell me i'm allowed to have a personal relationship with jesus christ uh, and i just wept with her blair because i thought my goodness me you know how sad is that uh, and the church often sadly lets people down 
Well, that brings us, I think, to your next song uh, from uh, Casting Crowns. Janice, I'll let, I'll let you introduce it. Yeah. Um, this one, cast, I like Casting Crowns. I like a lot of their stuff. But this one in particular, um, the words are very strong, and it's actually very challenging to the church and those who consider themselves to be the body of Christ. It's simply called If We Are the Body, and it's by Casting Crowns. So casting crowns there and if we are uh, the body and indeed uh, we are because uh, obviously the, the, the people of God, the, the, the church throughout the world are meant to be the ears and the eyes of, of God himself uh, within the world. My very special guest, of course, has been talking about that and the interaction that we have first and foremost individually and personally with God himself and then, of course, uh, in the various fields of service that God chooses to places. Well, uh, Janice, is, as, as you probably have gathered now, takes to verse uh, quite often, actually, to express herself. And you go, you're going to start off with one, another one of your, your verses. I am. It's based on two chronicles. I always say that my poetry isn't mine. It, it's all God-inspired, and, and a lot of it comes from Scripture. This one's two chronicles, chapter 7, verse 14, um, and it's based on that. If my people... If only my people would pray before they speak, I would hear and answer and give them my word. If only my people would let go of self, I would show them my face and light up my path. If only my people would show true remorse, I could forgive them and heal them with my endless love. If only my people, ah, if only my people, if only my people would come. And that was based on, on Chronicles. So uh, that really is, if we humble ourselves and pray, um, then God can do all things through us. The, the trouble is that we're so bad at accepting when we've done something wrong, and we're so bad at owning up when we've done something wrong. We all do it. None of us are perfect. Is that uh, a, but that's really all we have to do. It's so simple. It's that little word pride, Janice, that gets in, in, in the way. And of course, the, the, the other thing is that... Um, that when you hear from God, and sometimes, because it's quite interesting what you said there about when you went first went back to, to church, that you thought that people would be in advance of you because you'd been away from church life uh, for quite some time. But there you, you were, you were quite clear and sure that you'd heard from, from God about his desire to revive the church. But, of course, when you begin to share that with people, not everybody shouts, Hallelujah! Amen, sister! In fact, sometimes they can <laughs> completely shout the opposite, can't they? Um, they certainly can. Sometimes they can shout, No, we don't, we don't want your thought here! <laughs> um, as many of the, of 
the prophets in the Old Testament got. Yeah, you know, it wasn't that they didn't believe the prophecies they were giving. It's just, you know, go away and prophesy to somebody else because we don't want to hear it here. Um, and sadly, um, you know, that there are some in the church that, that are like that. Uh, mostly, I find, either because they've been hurt terribly themselves somewhere in the past or because they just don't understand it and are frightened by it. Of course, um, it's, it's, what, it's what controls all of us, isn't it? And it's interesting the Bible says that, that we don't wrestle against flesh and blood. I, I always in, interpreted that as meaning that our problems are never actually with each other, not with human beings, uh, but with what controls each of us, you know, and uh, the principalities and the powers, the devil himself, you know, that that clearly we have a we have an encouraging God, as you demonstrated, who speaks to us and longs to speak more to us and give us direction. Uh, but equally, we have these other voices in our head which says you're away with the fairies, uh, or don't be so stupid, or don't be so full of yourself. All these negative things are the the, t- the two words that I hit the most. You can't. Or, and then we say, I can't. When all the time God says, you can, and, and you will within my, in my strength. But I guess that the, the problem is, Janice, that we underestimate the, the, the evil powers that are also existing uh, you know, in, in the world in which we find ourselves. We do, and um, doubt is the biggest tool that Satan uses. Um, It goes right back to the Garden of Eden. You know, when um, Adam and Eve were were placed in God's perfect garden, and what did Satan say, what did the serpent, uh, as it's called there, say to Eve? Did God really say that? And, you know, time and time again, it's boring, isn't it? It's the same old thing. Uh, Satan tries to sow those seeds of doubt. No, you must have dreamt it. No, you must be off your trolley. You're, you're imagining things. That, that's not God at all. Um, and that's the biggest tool that he'll use to, to put us off our actual calling and, and realizing the call of God on our lives. Okay. And, and that's sort of what happened to me with my, the next scripture, really, that God gave me in my call uh, on the road to ordination, which was Jeremiah's call. Um, and that also fits with me being prayed over before I was, was born, so it hit me quite strongly, uh, where uh, God says to Jeremiah, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you, and before you were born, I consecrated you. And it, God finishes his instruction to Jeremiah, his call to Jeremiah, by saying, you know, that you are to pluck up and to pull down, to destroy and overthrow to build and to plant. And isn't it interesting that there's two lots about destroying what's not right with God and only one lot about building and planting? I I find that very interesting. Mm. Um, So so there you are with the call to ordination. Now, explain exactly for those who haven't got much of a clue about what the word means. what, What does ordination mean? What did it mean for you? What was God calling you to, Janice? Uh, Well, um, I'm a Methodist, and I'm a Methodist uh, minister, and through the Methodist Church, uh, ordination means that first you are called, uh, you have a calling of God, and then there is a process of testing whether that call is genuine or not, so you start on the road as a local preacher, and the first part, you're put, as they call it, on note, and that first 
part on note is a discernment process to test whether your calling to preach is a genuine one or not. Then when you've completed that, you're, you're then, if you pass on note, you're then put on trial. That sounds a bit severe. I would have thought the whole thing's on trial. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, then you're put on trial, and that, then you do studies, assignments, and you preach, and you're assessed all the way through. Um, and if you get through, then, then you are an accredited local preacher, and you are given a license to preach. Um, so, and then you, uh, the next step, if you feel you're called to go further into some kind of um, ordained or full-time ministry, then uh, you candidate for the ministry. And again, with that, you, there is a process of discernment um, to find which ministry, whether it's ordained uh, presbyter ministry or whether it's um, diaconal or whether it's some kind of evangelistic ministry. There's all sorts of ministries. And then you go on training for that. Um, and then if you complete your training and pass all the assignments and studies, etc., uh, in the Methodist church, you're then thrown in at the deep end. You are sent out with pastoral charge of churches uh, for two years on probation, uh, basically to see if you sink or swim. <laughs> And you're assessed all the way through those two years of probation. And then at the end of those two years, then you um, are again assessed and uh, discerned whether you are actually um, going to be ordained as a priest, if you like. I suppose the Methodist Church doesn't use that word, but that's basically what it is. So you're ordained into ministry. So in other words, I wear the white collar. Um, and um, lead churches, lead people in finding God for themselves is what I believe. It's it's in the service of saving souls. So, so that, 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 that whole process, Janice, how, how long does it take from beginning to end? Um, that varies according to the person. I mean, the actual uh, ministry training was three years at the end of which you um, or at the end of which I got a diploma in um, mission and ministry. Um, but the local preacher's side is far more flexible. So, it, I mean, you can go through it in three years, you can go through it in five years or, or whatever. It just depends because don't forget people are working, raising a family. It, it's all in their spare time. So it's, it's pretty flexible through that time now, of uh, course. according to circumstances. John Wesley, of course, you know, uh, it was interesting just casting my mind back to something you shared earlier on about, you know, the spirit of Wesley. Uh, John and Charles, his, his brother for that matter, had a very hard time because am I right in saying that they were both in the Anglican ministry, weren't they? And they, they had uh, terrible, uh, terrible opposition and so on to uh, going around and, and preaching uh, the gospel, which, of course, was considered as quite radical uh, in the time. And, of course, that then led to the founding of what we now know as, as Methodism. So I suppose that being, being radical and being, uh, you know, uh, being true to God is right at the centre of Methodism and, uh, and, and so on. Uh, and if nothing else, all that process that you're talking about, it must have surely confirmed what God had already told you to do to get get st get stuck in there, you know. Yes. Um, I mean, yeah, both John and Charles Wesley, um, yes, they were both Anglican priests, um, ordained Anglican priests. 
but um, John Wesley, Charles Wesley was really converted before John. John Wesley was uh, converted at the famous part where he says in his journal, my heart was strangely warmed. Um, and basically it was a Moravian that they, they were free and full in the spirit. And John Wesley had been very practical and methodical, hence the nickname Methodist. Um, but he, he asked um, this Moravian preacher, you know, how can I get what you've got? You, you've got, obviously got something different. Uh, this is my paraphrasing of his journal, obviously. Um, and uh, basically what he said to John Wesley was, well, preach it and you will have it. And when you have it, you will preach it. And that's when John Wesley's um, ministry took a dramatic turn uh, to spirit-led. And systematically, one church after another, he was a very recognized and, and well-respected speaker before then, um, but when he got invited to churches to preach, it, they took his license to preach away from him in each church systematically, which is what led to him going out to the place where people were and preaching in the open air, because uh, he was now full of the Spirit and preaching in the Spirit. So Methodism was born out of the Spirit. So, so he, he lost his license because people didn't like what he was saying? Absolutely. Um, yeah, uh, he, he, was free in the, he was preaching scripture and preaching, you know, God is with you and within you. The, the four alls of Methodism are, are still the standard foundation. Um, and uh, I can't say it any better than John Wesley did. And he said, all need to be saved. All can be saved, all can know they are saved, and all can be saved to the uttermost. And uh, they still ring as true today uh, as they ever did. That's strong words. And of course, his brother Charles, I mean, I've lost count of the number of hymns that he, he wrote, but I mean, he was churning them out all the time. Theology in song. Absolutely. And uh, there are a lot of messages who used Charles Wesley's hymns as their devotions uh, for prayer each day. Because if you read the words, um, you will see and recognize that God's Spirit flows through them very strongly. It's scriptural and it's spiritual all the way through all of his hymns. Um, it was by one of, uh, one of the hymns, it, it was by a hymn that I was called to start on the um, local preacher's course. And again, I was told, turn to hymns and psalms 770, which was the Methodist hymn book at the time. Um, so I had to get hold of a Methodist hymn book and look up the song, the hymn 770, which is Go Forth and Tell, O Church of God Awake, God's saving news to all the nations take. So th this is sort of how God built on everything that he was saying to me, building and building um, because I, ha I left school at 15 without any qualifications at all. And in order to be a local preacher, let alone uh, an ordained minister, you had to have a certain level of, of academic ability. And uh, the minister at the time, when I was being called, I told nobody about this, nobody, um, was a Reverend John Hainsworth. And he turned up on my doorstep unannounced, unexpected one day with his college copy of John Wesley's 44 sermons and said to me, oh, um, I I've been led to bring this to you. I, I thought you might like to read it. 
I mean, has God got a sense of humour or not? John Wesley's 44 sermons, I ask you. Yeah. Um, so that was sort of, I, I then gave in and said, okay, um, God is serious about this. Uh, I'm going to have to do something about it. Um, so I eventually listened. <laughs> Well, let's have our next piece of music, and this time from uh, Michael Card. I'll let you introduce it once again, Janice. Yeah, well, it's actually appropriate. We've, we've got to an appropriate point for that, because it's called Will You Not Listen? That's what, that's what I thought. <laughs> and, um, <laughs> it's by Michael Card. It's really asking uh, people to listen to God um, through whichever medium uh, God may speak. So Will You Not Listen by Michael Card. Is not he who formed the ear Worth the time it takes to hear Should he who formed our lips for speaking Be not he dead when he speaks You're listening to Community Now on Hope FM with Keith Jones Bookshop serving the community for over 50 years visit keithjones.co.uk and of course my very special guest has been uh, I should say the Reverend Janice Morgan actually because Janice is, uh, is ordained within uh, the Methodist Church and uh, we were just talking off the, off air a wee bit because many of you will have maybe experience where you thought God has spoke to you, you you've maybe had a bit of a vision uh, but somehow uh, Things didn't quite work out the way that you thought, and certainly not on the timing that you thought about. It, it, it's actually quite a common thing, Janice, isn't it? It, it is. I mean, dreams and visions and, and leadings of the Lord, um, we must always remember, which is the hardest thing for, for Christians to deal with, actually, is that everyone has been given free will. And therefore, God can call and God can give you a vision of what he wants and would like for the future. Uh, But that often depends on not just yourself, but those around you actually uh, hearing and being obedient to that call as well. And sometimes people choose to go against, which can change that vision. However, I have always found that when God closes one door, and sometimes they can be absolutely slammed in your face, and you you can get down and depressed, uh, and that's something that I have to cope with time and time again throughout my ministry, when doors get slammed in your face, and you think, I must have got it wrong. You know, I just heard him wrong, or this is the devil playing mischief with me, or whatever. And yet God has always opened another door or led me a different way and eventually to achieve um, the basics of what God wants to achieve. So, um, But we will come up against those. I, I think those that are absolutely obedient to God and determined to follow God's will and, and purpose are the ones that Satan attacks the most because they're the ones that are the biggest threat to him. If you're not interested in God, if you're not bothered about following his way, then why would Satan be interested in you? So um, in in some ways, I had a a mentor tell me, a mentor and spiritual director tell me at one time when I was having particular problems in in one church with a difficult character, um, and I poured out my heart to him, bless him, and he listened very patiently, 
And when I'd finished, he said, well, that's okay, Jack. You, you've told me all the problems. Now tell me what's going good. And that woke me up. And actually, there was a lot more good happening for God than there was in this one person that was giving me trouble. But often, all we can think about is the negative. We do, we do have a tendency of that as human beings, haven't we, to, to listen to the, the negative things or indeed to pay attention to the things that aren't going well. And, of course, that gives a platform for even more depression and doubt and so on to come. I mean, the, the Bible talks about this opposition coming in three distinct forms. You know, it comes in terms of the, the devil. We've already mentioned the, the, the spiritual forces and heavenly places and so on. But, of course, it also talks about the world, the world view. you know, that... Well, it doesn't quite fit in with the popular thinking. Uh, and then also uh, flesh, which is, of course, other human beings, that discouragement can, can come from all three of those sources, with the world, the flesh, and the devil. I guess you've had your fair share of all three. Um, <laughs> you could say. You could say. But, but let me start by saying that those that I have come up against that, that have... Um, blocked me, come against me, raised false accusations and um, false testimony about me, which I've, I've had the lot. Um, I pray for them because I, I pray that God will touch them and reveal truth to their hearts of who God is and what he wants to do in and through and for them. Because if these people put as much energy into actually seeking, finding, and following God's will and purpose, my goodness me, wouldn't we see a revival? So my, my heart for these people is always that God will touch them and reveal himself to them um, and show them, because many people can be doing all the wrong things, but totally, absolutely believing they're doing right by God, and, and that's mm. the devil's trick. And I suppose that the danger for for those of us who are who are believers uh, is as a being heard to the extent where we almost form a regular pity party, pity party, you know. And uh, uh, mm-hmm. are we are we we give up? You know, we sort of let go of whatever our vision, our passion was, uh, and 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 maybe find it very very difficult to forgive. You know, even forming bitterness because of the things that people said and done and yet and yet in all of these things God's calling us to much higher thing like to bless our enemies to forgive uh, in fact I used to always think in the Lord's Prayer you know where it says forgive your sins as you forgive people who sin against you in other words God's saying well I'll forgive you but in the same measure you 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 need to forgive you know but of course God gives gives us the power to do that forgiving uh, if if we only but trust him you know Absolutely. I mean, um, the one important thing to say is that um, repentance is the key here. And that's a word that a lot of people don't like to hear. Um, but it, it hinges on our repentance. If we go before God with a, a true repentant heart, he's just waiting there, arms outstretched, to say, yeah, yeah, I know, I know, I forgive you. Uh, but it's that first step of us to actually acknowledge what we've done wrong and, and say, you know, as I say often, oh, Lord, I've been and gone and done it again. <laughs> because we will keep making mistakes. 
uh, throughout all our lives. Um, nobody's any different in that sense. Now your next the relief. I was going to say your your next the relief. Go ahead, go ahead, James. From, the, the relief we get from going before God and saying I, I'm sorry is tremendous, and that's what sets us on our feet again and sets us off in the right direction again. And your next piece of music sort of under, underlines the most important thing to do, and that is Look Up Child from Laura Daigle. I'll let you introduce it. Yeah, Look Up Child. Um, I was actually given uh, Lauren Daigle's CD by a, a dear friend uh, who's actually training to be a local preacher at the moment, and um, it's fantastic because this it's like God speaking and saying, you know, all these problems, you keep looking at all these problems, but actually all you need to do is look up at me. So let's hear it now. Look Up Child by Lauren Daigle. Where are you now when darkness is to end? Where are you now when the world is crumbling? Oh, I, I, I hear you say, I hear you You're listening to Community Now on Hope FM with Keith Jones Bookshop, serving the community for over 50 years. Visit keithjones.co.uk. Well, uh, Janet Morgan is my very special guest uh, uh, today, and as you've already heard, she's given often to expressing herself in verse, and you're going to do that again right now, Janet, aren't you? Um, I am. It's uh, another poem based on Scripture. It comes from Matthew 28, verse 20. It's a play on words where Jesus says, I am with you always. God is forever with you always. No matter what is said or done, God still loves you. This, he says, a battle fought, a victory won, that you and he might be as one. Within your heart, his spirit dwells, convicting you of every wrong. But God's heart with forgiveness swells when you cry out repentance song. Then angels sing in heavenly throng. God is always with you forever. No matter what you're going through, God loves and gives and will never give up the smallest part of you. His love, the cunning serpent, slew. No trial or trauma will succeed in keeping you from God's pure love. A broken heart, an aching need, will not be missed by eyes above. God mends and feeds with gentle love. Forever and always, God is with you. No matter who or what you are, God's Spirit tells you what to do. The evil one will maim and mar, but God's love is stronger by far. No open wound or heart laid bare lies beyond the reach of God's skill. He will, with expert touch and care, your frame with strength and healing fill. With trust, rest in his perfect will. Always and forever with you is God. No soul is made he does not know, for each is formed from his rich sod. He through all from the start does flow, and in his likeness helps all grow. If life is stopped before it starts, 
or if you live beyond your years. Love in full measure God imparts to soothe all sorrows, calm all fears. Heaven knows no pain and dries all tears. Oh, I really... And again, that... I like that. Sorry. Yeah, go on. Actually, I really like the word the words of 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 that again full of full of reassurance of what God longs to do with all of us absolutely um and and this is where my heart and soul is and and I know this is God um and that's all God wants to do um is is to be there with us to to walk with us to guide us to love us um yeah but, but that's not. That doesn't always seem the case. Sometimes things face us that we think are insurmountable, um, and that's just the time when we, we have to let go of ourselves and trust in God. Now, we need to get on to the retreat centre. We've only got about, I can't believe we've only got about 15 minutes of the programme uh, left, and there's so much more that I want to you, you to share. You, you set up a ministry uh, called Take Time Out, and, and I guess that it's a pastoral retreat, uh, and in lots of different ways, um, you ministering to people. And I guess the, at, right at the heart of what you're doing is is listening to what God is saying to you so that you can really pass on uh, to the people who come your way uh, what he's saying so that they might be refreshed in their spirit or, or helped in a multiplicity of, of different ways. What was your passion, Janice, for wanting to set this whole thing up? Well, right from the beginning, um, it was as if God, God was telling me that, that eventually I would set up a, treat, a retreat to minister to ministers. But how can you minister to ministers if you have not experienced what a minister has to deal with and go through in the first instance? Um, so um, during my uh, time in full-time circuit ministry um, in the Methodist Church, you're, you're um, stationed for five years and then expected to move on to, to another place. Um, and in both those places, uh, each year on the yearly review, uh, the thing that would keep coming up on, on, people are asked, not just in your churches, but you know, if you're doing schools work, which I did, working in schools, youth groups or, or whatever, wherever you're working, um, then they are asked to give a, a review of, of how you've been, how you've helped them, what you could do in the future to help them more or, or whatever. And the one thing that kept coming out in all of those reviews strongly was um, the pastoral care um, and, and my ability to sort of um, meet people where they're at and lead them forward. And um, when in Portsmouth, I'd done time in, in what was the Wimborne Circuit and then time in Portsmouth, um, and then I felt God calling me that now was the time to set up the retreat, and uh, that that was on a particularly strong review at Portsmouth that I've had with um, the pastoral stuff coming out on top. So uh, I can't just do what I want in the Methodist Church because once you're ordained, that that's you're ordained for life. So there is a process to go through which I. Um, ask the Stationing Advisory Committee, and that takes about a year to go through that process to discern whether your call to come out of full-time circuit ministry and into some other ministry is a genuine one or not. 
and they discerned that that call was a genuine call. So I was given permission to come and set up a retreat in um, our house. Um, now that in itself was something because um, it's not my house for a start. It's my husband's. <laughs> I have a very understanding husband. Um, and uh, it needed a little bit of DIY just to get it to a, a state where it was able to accommodate guests. Uh, my husband always says he's never done as much DIY in his life uh, <laughs> as he has since he married me, bless him. So he needs prayer from everyone. <laughs> um, but, um, so we moved in and, and set it up. And um, sadly, uh, I, I was blocked um, we're talking about things being blocked from where you think God's vision is and I, I was blocked from actually doing what I felt um, or the way I felt God was calling me to operate this retreat it's not a retreat like you would see if you went on the internet where I set up courses and I advertise them and then people book in to come to them it's not that kind of retreat at all it's a pastoral retreat so it's dealing with people at the sharp end of life, uh, those that um, need counselling, uh, very often those that can't afford counselling, so I don't charge, I just ask for a donation. And some people come for a holiday break because they can't afford to you know, pay for a, a full holiday or, or whatever, and they need family time just to get away from it all and to have some family bonding. Um, but part of that, when I say one door is, is sometimes closed, another one opens, out of the blue I got um, a request by text from the local GP surgery uh, saying, would I be interested in becoming a practice champion? And I thought, what on earth is that? Um, so anyway, I prayed about it, and I felt that, you know, that it was right for me to go. Um, so I went to the first meeting, and it was a new scheme that the government were wanting to set up, um, whereby volunteers help GP surgeries to deal with things that were taking up, uh, things that were not medical. I said, I'm not trained to have nothing medical or anything else, but things that were taking up the GP's time or their staff's time that other volunteers in the community could perhaps do to support them at various things that we set up but in my particular case um, they were interested in me being able to go visit people that were lonely or anxious or talk people through uh, things that have maybe psychological uh, issues or, or stuff like that I, I guess because of, of the qualifications I've got that you know the GP asked for the qualifications now I felt very privileged for them to ask me to do this because this is NHS um, and obviously my faith is not something that has to be prominent in this. Um, you know, I'm not there to proselytize the people that, that need my help. However, it is interesting that when I go and I introduce myself as um, a, a Methodist minister, it is interesting how many people then have asked me to pray for them which I have done. I, I don't push it because that would be totally inappropriate. But if I'm asked, then I'm allowed to give it. Um, and it, 
things don't always go as you think. I had one chat, for example, pe- people will come to me here uh, for counselling, for spiritual direction, whatever, that's another part uh, of the retreat. And this one chap turned up and who had been um, uh, steered towards me for the, from the surgery and said, well, you know, I, I, don't, know, I don't know why I'm here. Uh, I don't know why they've sent me here. I've had counselling before and nothing works and it doesn't help. Um, so I don't know what you think you can do for me. Um, <laughs> which I thought, ooh, oh, this, this is a good way, good start. Uh, anyway, the top and bottom of it, um, he very quickly, uh, he, he was an absolute joy to deal with because he very quickly cottoned on. Um, and um, he, at the, the last final session we had, he laughed and he said to me, do you know, I didn't think you were going to be able to help me at all. Um, but then people at work started saying to me, I've noticed a change. You're much, you're much calmer. You're much better. And, and even his wife had said, you're much better than you used to be. So <laughs> God moves in a mysterious way. <laughs> Janice, that, that brings us... Uh, we, we, we've got two songs I want to get in just before the end. And, uh, and the first one is it, it Is Well With My Soul because obviously you, in the help that you, 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 you give to people, you're listening to God uh, all the time. But I'll let you introduce uh, this, this particular hymn. This comes from a, a lovely, lovely spiritual man who was my mentor way back at the beginning. And he was a very spiritual man. And um, he said to me, have you known the hymn, It Is Well With My Soul? Now, this is from Horatio Spafford, uh, 1828 to 1888. And he lost his son at age four to scarlet fever. And then in 1873, he lost his three daughters in a shipwreck. And when he sailed to join his wife, um, who said, who wrote to him and said, I was saved alone. Uh, he wrote this hymn, It Is Well With My Soul. And this, I believe, is the Stuart Townend and Phil Bagley version. Well, it's actually the Hillsong uh, version because is that I, okay? it is so, uh, so enjoy. <laughs> Well, as we come to the end of our program today, it's just a reminder that, that God is very concerned with all of our souls, with us as individuals. And Janice has made that point all the way through the program today. Janice, a final word from you. I know you've got a song that's going to, to say it all, but I'll let you say it. Uh, yeah, I mean, where I'm at, to bring us up to date, where I'm at at the moment is the Take Time Out retreat. Um, the mailing list of that has has. Uh, grown and grown since I started it and um, being in lockdown um, has meant that I've had to send a lot of the the reflections Advent reflections and Lent reflections Bible studies etc out instead of uh, holding them here and I've been doing tent gatherings and and things outside under a marquee as well Um, but uh, summing all of that up uh, God is in all of this and has provided for all this. Whatever hurdles or, or brick walls have, have been put in my way, God has shown me another way round. 
And all God wants to do is to love us. That's all he wants to do. This is Hope FM.